0: Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Download the notes at kcm.org notes.
1: Hello, this is Pastor George Pearsons. Welcome to this special edition of the Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast. We're talking about religious freedom today. We're talking about the freedom of speech. In joining us on our panel, Brother Copeland, Bishop Keith Butler, David Barton, we are going to hear some things today that we need to know about speaking freely, especially for our pastors. So stand with us today as we believe God and have faith for our nation.
2: This subject matter and why we're here, because it is it is extremely important. And the the part that that yeah, the sure. Satan was able to get the church to get out of politics and don't be involved in politics and ministers never say anything about it and yeah. all that was yeah. of the devil yeah. Yeah. Oh. is what okay, contributed I, to us being where we
1: are now. I want you both to address that. I want us to address that because I really believe that the church has got to come into a new place where this is concerned. We've all been afraid to say anything. <clears throat> because of the Johnson amendment because of the 501c3 and what i read in the republican party was that they were going to abolish that yes they were going to get rid of that
0: yes you better explain what the johnson amendment is because most preachers don't even know what the johnson amendment is
1: well you go ahead and explain the johnson amendment I'll i mean i looked it up amendment. but i understand i understand that the johnson, johnson amendment prevents us from getting into a pulpit and expressing a political opinion about a candidate or about a belief concerning that? It's
0: interpreted to be broader than that. What happened was back when Lyndon Baines Johnson was running for U.S. Senate in 1954, there were two groups here in Texas that took out a lot of money to run ads against him because of morals and behavior, and he had bad morals and bad behavior, and they did that, but he didn't like being criticized. Mm. So in the Senate, in an appropriations bill, he sticks a right on an appropriations bill that was never voted on. It ran oh. through and says, if you're a 501c3, you can't say anything about political people. Well, his intention was not to affect the church. His intention was to affect those what we would call 527 groups or super PACs. That wasn't what they were called back then, but that's what they, they were. And there were two critics of his. And he wanted to shut them down. Well, number one, that's bad policy that because you get criticized, you shut somebody else's free speech out. Number two, it was never voted on the Senate. It just stuck on as a rider and it went through. But about 10 years later, Iris goes, My gosh, look at this. Churches are 501c3s too. We can apply this to churches. They can't say anything about anything political. Yeah, they can. Because under the Constitution, they, see, that's why people need to understand that today, when a church gets a 501c3 letter, it's called a letter of recognition. It doesn't grant anything, right. it recognizes that mm-hmm. you're a church. You're mm-hmm. already a church. And the reason we don't tax churches is the reason they're tax exempt. John Marshall, Founding Father, gave back 200 years ago and he said, the power to tax is the power to destroy. When we want to get rid of cigarettes, we make a $6 a pack tax and we get rid of them. Well, if you can tax the church, you can destroy the church. You can cut out their free speech. And so tax exemptions exist to give freedom from government regulation. Well, guess what? In the Bible, all over the place, God's ministers jump on civil officials. Elijah goes, hey, Ahab, Jezebel, you know, what you're doing, persecution of mm-hmm. the Lord's prophets, what you're doing with eminent domain mm-hmm. there with Naboth. what you're doing with perjury, bringing false witnesses to the court, God's going to judge you for that. And then John the Baptist comes along and says, Herod, you married your brother's, you can't marry your brother's wife. That's wrong. And, and all, all through the Bible, you've got all this stuff going on where the, God's people, God's leaders call out the civil officials for wrong. Suddenly in America, we can't do what the Bible says anymore, at least we're told that. So the Johnson Amendment is what is used by the critics to say the church has lost its right of free speech from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. You know what? Unions are 501c3. They endorse all the time and they speak about anything Every they election. want to. Yep. <laughs> and we say churches are 501c3s and they can't do it. See, that's what the platform covers is we're going to get rid of that Johnson Amendment because mm-hmm. the church deserves mm-hmm. free speech. The church should be able to speak out on any issue it wants to. I mean, this is,
1: all right, I'm going
0: I'm to jump into this for a minute here, Okay, guys. When
1: you're, well, while you're doing that, the Republican platform says, "...places of worship for the first time in our history have reason to fear the loss of tax-exempt status merely for espousing or practicing traditional religious beliefs that have been held across the world for thousands of years and for almost four centuries in America. We value the right of America's religious leaders to preach and Americans to speak freely according to their faith." Republicans believe <clears throat> believe the federal government, specifically the IRS, is constitutionally prohibited from poli- uh, policing or censuring sp- speech. Policing or censuring speech based on religious convictions or beliefs, and therefore we urge the repeal of the Johnson Amendment. Well, I've heard you speak about the founding fathers in the early days of this yeah. nation, and how the political leaders would go to church. To hear from the pulpit what to do. It's worse
0: than that. The uh, church went to the political leaders. Here's a sermon. This is a sermon preached, uh, founding in 1796, and it's a sermon preached in front of Governor John Taylor Gilman and the Council and Senate and House of Representatives, the entire state of New Hampshire. They bring a preacher in to start every legislative session. We did that for 170 years. We brought preachers in to start every state legislative session. Uh, Here's a sermon on elections from the pulpit. Here's a sermon preached in front of John Hancock, signer of the Declaration, Sam Adams. They brought him in to speak to the entire Massachusetts legislature, sermon with him. Uh, Here's a sermon on the right uses of the sea. This is a sermon of sailors going out on a ship. Here's a sermon on the transatlantic telegraph. Here's a sermon preached in the U.S. Capitol. This is in the Hall of the House of Representatives. It's called The Imperishable and Saving Words of Christ, delivered in the Hall of the House of Representatives. Here's a sermon on what the military is supposed to do. Here's a sermon on an attack um, that happened in Lexington. Here's a sermon on earthquakes. Here's a sermon on the Great Fire in Boston. Here's a sermon on solar eclipse. Here's a sermon on the character of our rulers. Here's a sermon on global uh, warming. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, exactly right. <laughs> you know it is. That's that's, that's what it is. Uh, you know, here's George Whitfield's sermon. Here's another George Whitfield sermon. Uh, here, here's the liquor law of Massachusetts. Here's one on marriage. Uh, here's one on the Great Bridge. Uh, here's one on the sin of selfishness. Here's one a sermon on property tax. Here's a sermon on the stamp tax. Here's a sermon on communism and churches. Here's a sermon on Christian and patriotism. Here's a sermon on the Civil War scene from the pulpit. I think we preached about every sermon under the sun. And the Johnson Amendment wouldn't let us do most of these today. And this is history in America, and it's history in the Bible. Bo- we, we've lost our voice.
2: And in Europe. We have laryngitis. In Europe, mm. reason why it's in such it's a spiritual wasteland in Europe. Yeah. In Europe, that's the first thing they did. That's right.
1: What, mm-hmm. what you couldn't, couldn't say out of the pulpit. Yeah. That's it. First, you take that yeah. voice. So can either of you go ahead and encourage pastors? Because the George Barna study that just came out, there are less pastors and ministers this election cycle talking about the election. Because one of the reasons he listed was that he was afraid that people would leave his church. Yeah. That's why they don't preach about I it. I want to show you this,
0: this poll right here. This, this done recently, I got with George Barna on this. I was on a national TV program, and we were talking about this kind of stuff. That, and, and so the, the commentator said, why don't, why don't you people that sit in the, in the pews go tell your, your preacher you want to hear some of this stuff? And he looked at me and said, what should they tell them they want to hear? Oh, that's a great question. So I called Barna and said, hey, here's the deal. What do Christians who sit in the pews want to hear from their pastors? Great thought. George put this together. Went to the field and called. Now I'm on the board of a group that does a lot of polling. George does does the polling. And they call between six and 800 churches every day, six and 800 churches a day, 370,000 churches in America. They ask the churches six different questions and from that they can tell whether they believe the Bible or not about 28% of pastors in America are Bible-believing pastors. So that's about 100,000 churches, 72% not. Of that 28%, the people who attend those Bible-believing churches went to them and say, you're Bible-believing pastor, Bible-believing church, what do you feel like you really need to hear out of the pulpit? About 150 things came in. Okay, now let's take those 150 things and let's go back and say, out of these 150 things, how do you rate them? It, it, the, the Likert scale is the five things. It's, this is not very important to me. This is somewhat important. Eh, it's kind of important. This is very important. This is crucial. Mm-hmm. So rank those 150 things. On the issue of very important to crucial, there were 14 issues where 70% of the church said, I've got to hear about this from the pulpit. This is crucial that I hear about this stuff in the pulpit. So here's the, here's the issues and here's the, the ranks. Now, it, it, it's interesting that within this this group, this is what Bible-believing people say. I'm not being trained on from the pulpit. I got to hear this. Okay. Issue number one: 91% of the of Christians in the pulpit said, or Christians said, the pulpit needs to train me in this. And, and let me let me say one other thing up front: is of the 50 states, politically, you can self-identify as conservative, liberal, or moderate. And what you find is there's only three states in the United States where conservatives outnumber, were, were only three states in the United States where liberals outnumber conservatives. Now, you would never know that by watching news or anything sure. else. You'd think that conservatives are the, the last remnant. Only three states are they outnumbered by liberals. You so got what's, the cowboys and the hillbillies. There ain't, ain't nobody counting them. <laughs> well, uh, well, that's part of it. But the <laughs> other problem is what we find is that if you're liberal or moderate, you're happy to tell everybody your opinion. It doesn't matter what's true or not. You're going to tell everybody your opinion. Yeah conservatives don't want to tell people their opinion unless they know it's founded on truth and right, because they want to make sure that what they're saying is exactly mm-hmm. right. So they're really, they're really pretty silent because they're not confident in what they know. Mm. And so pro-life mm. people, they go to church, they don't know why they're pro-life, and they don't know how to articulate it, and they don't know how to defend it. And I don't know any Bible verses that deal with pro-life. I'm pro-life, but I can't defend myself. And so what they're asking for is, help me understand how to answer these questions. And so the number one issue, 91% of Christians in Bible-believing churches says, I need to hear about abortion, the beginning of life, right to life, contraception, adoption, and unwed mothers. 91%. Number two, Eighty-six percent of church-going Christians said, I need to hear about religious persecution and liberty. I need to know the personal duty, the government duty, the church response, and the global conditions. And by the way, that is the most unpreached subject right now that's out there is religious persecution, despite the genocide that we have with ISIS. Number three is poverty. Eighty-five percent said, train me on poverty. What's my personal duty? What's the government's role? What's the church role? What do we do with homelessness, hunger, dependency? Bible answers all that. But they don't know what to say about it. They've got their opinions, but they don't. Number four is cultural restoration, Uh, appropriate morals, law and order, defensible values and norms and self-government, which is what you were doing with that sermon on on, on police. And and here's number number five. Eighty-two percent said, train me on sexual identity. I need to know about same-sex marriage, transgenderism, marriage, LBG. When when they tell me, if two people love each other, why can't they get married? What's my response? How do I respond to that? Because we don't know how to answer. So number six is Israel. Eighty percent said, I need to know more about Israel. I need to know its role in the world, Christian responsibility Israel, U.S. foreign policy toward Israel. Update me. Give me the information. I'm willing to go out and defend this stuff. I just don't know what to say that's what they're asking the pulpit <clears> to do. Now, I can go through the others. That's the top six. And, and there's four. There's can 14. you get that online? Is that uh, available yes. online? Yes. If you go to wallbuilders.com, we have this what God's okay. people want to hear. Right. Now, then we went to pastors and said, do you talk about any of this stuff at all? And so when we got to pastors and asked them whether they talked about this or not, let me get over to the pastor numbers. Pretty interesting. Uh, number one on the issue, 91% of people said, I need to hear about abortion. 59% of pastors have mentioned abortion from the pulpit but when you ask the parishioners have you heard have you heard the pastor talk about abortion only 50% have actually heard the pastor talk about abortion which means he made a passing comment of 3 seconds mm-hmm. only talked about it once in the last 4 years and they had missed church that Sunday so it's not a theme kind of thing number 2 on that uh, remember number 2 on the list was religious persecution that didn't even show up on pastors talking about it at all mm-hmm. not even there Um, same-sex marriage was number five on the list. Sixty-seven percent of pastors said they've talked about it, but only 46% of people in the pews heard them talk about it. So, I mean, we've got this big disconnect between what the Bible says. Now, went back, Barna recently went back with, I think, the poll you're talking about, because went back to these guys and said, you 28% of pastors that, that say you believe the Bible, do you think the Bible addresses the issue of immigration? do you think it addresses the the issue of abortion? Does it address marriage? Does the Bible address transgenderism? Does the Bible address economics? Two dozen issues, and between 91 and 97 percent of those pastors said, yes, the Bible addresses it. All right, that's good news for us. Then the next question was asked, are you going to speak about any of those things? 90 percent of those guys said, no, I will not talk about those issues. Whoa! Between 91 and 97% of you just said the Bible talks about it, but 90% of you said you're not going to talk about what the Bible talks about? That's in our Bible believing churches. And so that's the, that's the issue we face, and that's where Christians have got to be equipped. Pastors, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, uh, God,
0: Jesus said, feed my sheep. Pastors need to step up and feed the sheep. They're begging for food. I mean, get some backbone, step up, do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Johnson Amendment
2: needs to go away. The, the reason why that is, uh, it's because of fear.
0: Yeah. Sure,
2: yeah. Okay. It's fear of particularly two, ins- two issues. One that if you if you preach this kind of stuff, you will lose members over it. I have lost thousands of members. out You've of You've lost <laughs> thousands, brother. Uh, out of doing that. But they. Okay. So I know it's true. Another group that comes back in. But that gets back to who's Lord. That's right. Mm. See? Mm-hmm. So. If Jesus is Lord, and of course the word kurios, Lord, means controller. Mm -hmm. If if He's the controller of you and you're the shepherd of the sheep, you're going to have to give an account to Jesus whether or not you allowed Him to control you or your fear. And the other fear is if I lose the members, then that means then I don't get the tithes and offerings. And And that's the bottom line. That's That's the bottom bottom line of the case. Because it was sin, it was sin not to obey God, and the love of money Money. was the root of the evil. That's right. It comes down to that. And you think, you think God's not going to deal with you about that matter. And that's one reason why preachers die prematurely. A lot of this stuff happens because of the unwillingness to do what they are called to do. You are going to, in our position, if you teach the truth, you are going to have some hits. So what? I was going through the hey, Word. There
3: ain't nothing new about that. I was Welcome going, to the real world. <laughs>
2: yeah. I was going through the Word of God, looking at it. In fact, I was in Greece uh, about two months ago, walking through the steps of Paul. And I actually saw the terrain. Mm-hmm. I watched the terrain that Paul actually walked, okay, and went through. And then then read, he's talking about, and I went to ancient Corinth, these places, Perils of robbers. Yeah. Perils of wild animals. And you look at the terrain, and let me tell you something. I looked at that and I went, Oh man, I'm such a weasel. I mean <laughs> <laughs> What a <whip. laughs> You See what this guy did. I couldn't <laughs> and, carry and, his books, man. And, no, man. <laughs> it, yeah. come on. And then you yeah. read the Philippians four, you know, uh, uh I received the offering from Epaphroditus, the things you sent for me an offering of sweet. Well mm. well, in order to bring the offering to Paul, Epaphroditus had to walk through these mountains with robbers who would kill you and lions who would eat mm-hmm. you and all the stuff and go through these mountains and this terrain even to bring the offer yeah. to
3: Paul. But, but,
2: yeah, that's he, first didn't lo- he didn't
3: lose his 501c. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. well,
2: well, see, then Paul says, Stupid, isn't it? My God shall supply yeah. all your yeah. needs according to his yeah. riches and glory yeah. by Christ it's Jesus. In other words, because they were willing to put their necks on the line to get the gospel that others got, was filled to the full, your every need according to His riches and glory, which is the Holy Spirit, will get involved and make sure that your needs are met, not the tithes and offerings from your church.
3: That's right. And
2: see, so it's going to be a lot of messages going to be in trouble, I think, and are in trouble. Uh, and stand before God for not telling the people the truth. See, it, and I'm going to tell you right now, yeah, you're going to make some people mad, and you're going to lose some members over it, uh, and and you may lose some offerings Or then God will just show you, give you miracles. Can I throw out a litmus test <laughs> on this? Because you, you hit something that just
0: re- sounded something to me. Remember, Jesus said the difference between a shepherd and a hireling? Yep. Is a shepherd's willing to throw himself in front of the danger between the flock and the oh. danger, and a hireling sees the danger and runs from it. Yeah. And here comes transgenderism. Oh, I'm going to keep my mouth shut there. Throw yourself in front of the danger. Here comes same-sex marriage absolutely. or homosexuality or LGBT. Or, uh, yeah. We live for the gospel. What happened to dying for it? <laughs>
3: That's uncomfortable. <laughs> Let's not do that. We're supposed to live yeah. by faith and die by faith. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, You're right, brother. It's absolutely the truth. Uh, yeah, it's, just, right. it's there.
2: You know, 1 Timothy 6 says, fight the good fight of faith. Okay? Uh, but, people don't read the rest of that. Yeah. And lay hold on eternal life, put spiritual things above natural things, whereunto you are called, that's your calling, and has professed a good profession or acknowledgement before many witnesses. Mm-hmm. The next verse says, Jesus professed a good profession mm-hmm. before Pontius yes, Pilate. Yes, he did. Oh, then you go back to Matthew 11. Yeah. Okay, I believe it is. Uh, and then you read Jesus' confession before Pontius Pilate. Jesus' acknowledged. he said You said you're the son of God. Remember, Pontius Pilate's the government. And the government has power to execute Mm -hmm. and do various things to you, right? And he asked, are you the son of God? You say, I am. Mm -hmm. In other words, he wasn't afraid of the government. He wasn't afraid of what what other consequences are. He was going to follow what his father told him to do. That's the good fight of faith. That's the real good fight of faith. And it's too much wimpism in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know, Jesus said, you're not above me. Yeah. They persecuted me.
0: Get used to it. Absolutely. And if you're running from that, then yeah. you, you think you're above yeah. Jesus and you We're can't not having do
2: to deal with lions eating us on the, on the trail or people, or people cutting our heads off and we all that of stuff. We just have to deal with stuff. social media. We just to deal with that's, social that's media. <laughs> you know, the you answer know. to that is don't <laughs> read
3: it. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly. Say, we're, hey. we're wimps and can't take social media? And they were dealing with a lot? Well, like John, it. John the Baptist, he, he says here in Luke 3, it says, verse 10, the people asked him, saying, what shall we then do? He preached to the people. Then in verse 12, then came the publicans or the tax collectors or the government came to him, saying, Master, what shall we do? Then in verse 14, the soldiers, the military, said likewise, demanding, what shall we do? So he was reaching into all of these areas that we should be reaching into. And I, I want you to pray. But remember, in verse 16, he remembered his 501c3
0: and retracted all that stuff. Oh, no.
1: No, no. That's only in America. No, he said 16. in verse 16, I baptize with water, but one mightier than I is coming. Um, I want you to pray right now for all of those of us yes. who are in the ministry. Yeah. Pray over us. We, we need to be emboldened. We yes. must be emboldened Yes. to be able to take this to our congregations. Jesus
2: said, we are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses the Savior, it's not good for anything but to be walked on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of walking going on. Yeah. The body of Christ sent mm-hmm. with this issue right here. And the shepherds are the first line of defense. And so, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Father. I pray for every shepherd in America. I pray you will open their eyes that they may once again have light, revelation, and understanding, not only just of the Word, but also of the consequences to those you set them over. I pray you would strengthen them with might in the inner man and grant them boldness. Thank you, yes, yes. 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 Stand Thank you Lord. Stand once God. again for you and your Word and not fear the face of the people. I pray that once again you will show them about the riches in glory, the Holy Mm. Spirit himself, the wealth as fullness, the valuable bestowment that through you, Father, their every need will be supplied. Send them financial miracles from the north, the south, the east, and the west as they are faithful unto you. You've done it in our ministry, and we thank you for it. Mm-hmm. And you have no, you have no special mm. favorites except those who will follow you. Thank you, Jesus. And so I pray for every single shepherd, and I pray, you will raise up Bible schools in America yeah. that raise up pastors that have this backbone. Yep. Yes, amen. Thank you for it. Yes. In yes. Jesus' authority. Yes. Amen.
1: Hallelujah.
3: Now, the, the Apostle Paul asked the people in Ephesians to pray that for him.
1: Uh, He did.
3: And and 6, 10, you put on the full armor of God, you take your stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You do these things by faith. You do it with the armor of God on. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And pray for me mm-hmm. that utterance oh, may yes. be given unto me, oh, that I may open my mouth boldly yep. to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Even in jail, I'm going to preach this in jail if I cut my head off. Mm-hmm. I'm going to preach this. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That's precisely it. And that's why James 3, 1 says, Be not many masters, that they shall receive yeah. greater condemnation or judgment. Or if you're a pastor, God sends you flocks. Yeah. You will not feed the flock the Word. That's serious, but... That's... Serious, serious,
3: serious
0: We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Be sure to get the notes at kcm.org notes. And
2: remember, Jesus is Lord.